you are listening to The Janine Garner Show. Janine is a leading expert on leadership and driving influence through networking and collaboration, passionate about bringing brilliant people together to achieve remarkable results. Join Janine Garner as she shares insights, interviews and conversations, and let's together make the remarkable happen. Welcome to the latest episode of Unleashing Brilliance. Um, If you could see the view that I have right now, I reckon many of you would be green with envy. I'm sat here at the Entourage's new offices um, overlooking Darling Harbour with the fabulous Jack DeLosa. Now, Jack has been named as Australia's top 10 entrepreneurs under 30 twice by Dynamic Business Magazine and Smart Company. He's been voted as the number one entrepreneur in Australia by Australia in Business Review and has been listed in the BRW Young Rich list since 2014. I'm curious as to whether he'd still be in that young list. I certainly can't make that anymore. (laughs) Um, He's the founder of Australia's largest education institution for entrepreneurs, the Entourage, uh, which was launched in 2010 and has a community of over 300,000 members. His vision is to improve traditional education by introducing a style of learning that puts the individual first. The Entourage was awarded the fourth best place to work in Australia and in the top 50 best places to work in Australia by BRW magazine. He's got a whole heap of other stuff um, under his belt, including best-selling author. He's a high-profile investor. He's worked very closely with Richard Branson, developing curriculum for the Branson Centre of Entrepreneurship and is constantly featured on the media. So I feel quite honoured that you're gifting me a little bit of time, Jack, today. It's, I feel it's great to that catch you've up. invited me to be a part of your podcast. Thank you very much. I'm a big fan. Thank you. Now, let's get started. Tell me, Entourage, just tell me where did that come from as a concept and an idea and where it's ended up today? Yeah, well, I think from a young age, I always uh, thought that education would, would be and comprise my life's work. Um, but... You know, when when I came out of school, I, I'd sort of been studying uh, what I would say to be greats of history, you know, people that influence the world and influence things. And I found that those that influence things are often entrepreneurs, they're innovators, they're inventors. You know, governments don't tend to innovate, they regulate innovation. Uh, corporates find it a bit difficult to innovate effectively. So. Um, and so I figured, you know, if, uh, although, albeit one day I want to be in education, I think I need to develop an entrepreneurial capability first. And so I just always run businesses for myself as of the age of like 17, 18, and both very, very unsuccessfully and one or two quite successfully. And so, um, you know, uh, sort of still at a young age, I built a, um, a, a financial foundation, a network foundation, and just an understanding because I had so many friends that were business owners and they all faced the same challenge of where do you go when you're an existing business owner? You know, you're doing revenues, you've, 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 you've got an existing business, but you want to learn how to scale it. And it's something that universities and TAFEs have never done well. Um, and particularly back in 2010, there, there wasn't a lot out there for existing business owners to, to go and learn how to scale. And so... The, the philosophy was quite simple. It was, it was connect existing business owners with the best entrepreneurs, the best advisors, the best experts around how to scale, around sales, marketing, online strategy, management, leadership, personal performance, personal optimization, um, so, that you, so that one could have an institution where one could come to 
uh, enable them to become the best version of themselves while building a great company. And so today we're Australia's largest training institution for entrepreneurs with, as, as you mentioned, a community of about 360,000 people. Um, and we've had a lot of fun in the process and a lot of challenges in the process. <laughs> so let's talk the fun first. Okay. What, are, what are some of those moments that you look back and you go, wow, I, I did that, man, the team did that? Um, it's a really good question. You know, in 2015, we, we were really fortunate to be listed as Australia's fourth best place to work. In 2016, we're in the top 50 for Australia and Australasia. That recognition was um, particularly meaningful to the team and I because we do have, we don't call ourselves a family because family is unconditional love more often than not. And working at the entourage, like working at any business, shouldn't be unconditional. You hit it perform. Uh, but we say we're a team with a family feel, and, and, and there is this really real family feel here. So, so to have that recognised in a sort of quantifiable way was, was really meaningful. Um, and, you know, the workshops we do with our members, I just got back from Hawaii last week. We were there with 30 of our members for a week, you know, visiting waterfalls and going to private islands and swimming with turtles and doing dinners and parties and meditation sessions and yoga sessions and personal development sessions. You know, moments like that are truly magical. Um, and then and then the larger stuff that we do, we do an event called Unconvention where we might get to the 1,500 people there. Um, and, and that's quite different because it's large and it's loud and it's high energy, um, but incredibly enjoyable as well. Mm, that's so good. I love the fact that you took some of your members away too. We can get so caught up in the... Uh, ticking the checkbox of learning, but exactly. the importance of connection 100%. and doing something differently is, is key. What did you see um, during that trip in Hawaii in terms of those members that you took away? I had a really interesting thought, which is obviously entrepreneurship is what binds us. Um, but what really, because, you know, when, when you engage with somebody or a bunch of somebodies in business or in a meeting or in a workshop environment even at a networking event it's like fast-paced hustle bustle there's an agenda you know and I mean that both there's an agenda of the day and people have rightfully so their agendas of what they're looking to get out of it and all of that sort of stuff um, there's an agenda right and what I found in Hawaii well what, what I've always found but sort of only found language for it just last week when we were in Hawaii was that when you move into a space like Hawaii and there is very little agenda going on, um, people's humanity comes out. And so while entrepreneurship brings us together, I think sometimes perhaps business can dampen one's humanity and therefore one's ability to connect with other people's humanity. And when you get in, you know, when you're on board shorts on the beach having a beer at 3 p.m. in the afternoon and, or, you know, and, and, uh, I shouldn't just say board, you know, because there was probably more women there than there was men. But, you know, when you're in swimsuits and drinking cocktails and beers on the beach, you know, and like, or, or you know, alternatively, you know, at 7 a.m. and you're doing a group meditation class together as the sun comes up, it's like, like that's proper connection, you know mm. what I mean? It's really, really powerful. And I think, I think it's not just entrepreneurs, I think human beings, we don't have enough of that. Mm. I talk a lot about... Um at the moment, we seem to be wrapped up in the power in the transfer of information. Mm. Um, and to follow on from what you said, I reckon the boundaries 
that we, or the constructs that we create in terms of our life and working environments are actually facilitating that transfer of stuff and right. information. And yet what you shared is the opportunity in space, with yeah. space and no agenda and no strict boundaries, that yeah. we can have a transfer of humanity. Exactly. And the power of that. Do you see... Um, this concept of bringing humanity back or people connecting at a deeper level being one of the, the critical things that entrepreneurs need to have to drive success along with the commercial element? Absolutely. I, mm. I think I think it's something that human beings need more of to, to, to be successful in whatever way they may define that and happy and whole. You know, it's... It's really, really unfortunate just how unique that kind of connection is and how, you know, the, the connection that we found in Hawaii last week. You know, it's, 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 it's really unfortunate how, how rarely one feels that, if ever, throughout their life, right? Mm. Um, and I think that when you're, you know, just experientially, when you're a whole human being and and, and, and you, you know, you're a bit lighter and you're, you're a bit happier and you're a bit more joyful and you're a bit more compassionate and you're able to be a bit more present, nothing will uh, affect your business for the better as much as that. You know, no funnel or sales, you know, the, or yeah, anything we might teach you at the entourage or through programs, you know, to, to, to be a better human being is by far the best Thing that you can do for your business. Mm. Mm. How do you think you've become a better human being over the last however many years you've been mm. working in the entourage and following your journey and purpose? Mm. Uh, how have I become better or mm. through what process have I become better? Well, let's do both. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what feels most comfortable to answer? <laughs> well, the, two be, the two could be connected. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. Um, the catalyst for my different sort of growth journeys over the last few years have undoubtedly been extreme challenge. Um, and, and challenge never, um, you know, challenge is never not there as a business mm. owner or anybody with a dream, you know. Because the minute you fulfil one challenge, you, you literally go looking for another. You just call it a goal, you know. Um and so challenges never not there, but you know we, we had some we had some very substantial challenges at the end of two thousand and fifteen coming into sixteen. Long story short, we essentially started to deliver accredited education, which is like diplomas with with the government and and government funded and all of that sort of stuff. And very quickly, they did a number of things that uh, withheld cash from the industry uh, and then changed the industry uh, literally overnight, and it appeared on the front page of a newspaper one morning in late 2016 and so long story short what that meant for us is that we were three months away from a monthly loss of eight hundred thousand dollars 80 staff you know big 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 offices and a big big entrepreneur development center and all of that sort of stuff and so you know that led into what became you know the most challenging year and a half of my life we had to we had to make 40 people redundant in a day which which is not fun um and you know, manage cash and manage creditors and manage ATO and manage the bank and manage investors. And it's freaking gruel, like mm. grueling. Particularly, you know, if I was a commercial operator, well, I am a commercial operator, but entourage for me is so much more than commerce. So if it was just a business, I would have done all of that sort of stuff. And yeah, it would have been hard, but but 
it would have been a lot more manageable. But you know, when you're like you and I, Janine, and you pour your heart and soul into your work, and 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 the team isn't just a team, but it's a team with a family feel. You know, to go to go through all of that was uh, was not enjoyable, but it was the greatest growth period of my life, bar none. And so I think I learned more in a year than I had in the previous fourteen. Mm. So that was the process. That was sort of the catalyst. Uh, what were the lessons? Um, I've definitely, I think uh, there was a period there, you know, probably mid to late twenties for me, where I had I had known success only for a few years and so uh, there's a degree well I was arrogant I was arrogant I thought we were invincible uh, I, I came out of the the detail to too great of a, a degree um, I, I you know I, I was personally a little bit arrogant probably along the way as well and so and so the, 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 the you know that the extremity of that challenge was humbling uh, it made me a, a better, a much better entrepreneur. It made me a significantly better CEO, uh, a better CFO. You know, I never would have thought I'd, be, you know, but, <laughs> but you, you kind of got to. Um, it it made me a more compassionate person. It made me more an understanding person. Uh, it gave me a greater sense of importance towards our members and our customers. Um, yeah, yeah, it really changed everything, I think. Mm, thank you for sharing that. I think it's one of the opportunities for all of us to be more open about the stuff that doesn't always go right. Mm. I'm saying it's not life isn't always unicorns and rainbows as much no. as we'd like to think right. it is. Right. Um, and, and but it's through that that we learn stuff about exactly. ourselves and each other. And that's a really good, I think that's such an important um, piece to talk about, right? Because mm. there's there's brilliance in everybody and Everybody has a high degree of challenge, like like regardless of their path. Life is challenging, mm. you know, and it's not. You don't get better at something and it's less challenging. You know, the Olympic athlete finds their sport every bit of ch as challenging as the amateur. You know, just because you're an Olympic high jumper doesn't mean you find it easier than the guy who's, or the girl that's just starting out. You know. And so progress doesn't equal it becomes easier. Often it's actually the opposite. And, and I don't think we give enough voice to that. Mm, I uh, had the chance to chat to uh, the strength coach of the Wallabies mm. uh, recently. And um, he's obviously all about high performance. Mm. Um, and even in his job of dealing and working with elite athletes, who, as I said, the challenge is to win, bring back that World Cup next mm. time, mm. Um, every day looking at the 1% shift yeah. to help them perform better. So I couldn't agree more with what you're saying. Now, when it comes to how you perform better, um, we were giggling before we started recording about <laughs> how much I enjoyed um, most narcissistically oh. you taking cold swims and showers as your daily hacking. <laughs> I know, I can't believe I admit that, but it was fun watching you cringe. Um, what are the things that you, you do? my pain. Oh, dear. Like, yes, there he is. <laughs> is that what social media is for? Living yeah, through somebody exactly. else's life? Um, so what other hacks do you have to make sure you're performing at your best? Yeah. I do think that that's really important, you know, that, that one, if, if, if one wants to be a leader in life, that you do holistically embody the person that you are uh, projecting that you are, right? That, that sort of congruency is really important. And so I do, I do, I do, um, 
pretty much my entire life is dedicated towards um, growth and being the best I can be in fulfilling this mission. And so um, some things around that, you know, I, I'm very clear at any given moment. You know, I, I, I've constantly got a life vision that I break down into 12 different categories from health and fitness, emotional life, character, uh, love life, social life, um, spiritual life, um, et cetera, et cetera, you know, 12 different categories. I, I, I break that down into goals, you know, what do we want to achieve and what do I want to achieve over the next 12 months and over the next three months. And then from there, I go, what are the habits that I need to be embodying, maximum 12? What are the up to 12 habits that I need to be embodying, you know, this week, this month, this quarter in order to best achieve those goals? And so and so that's, a, that's an entire framework that you can't live within, particularly if you're doing your habits, and not experience a huge surge of growth in every area of your life. And then that, that flows through everything. And so one thing that I've started relatively recently is I now get up at about 5 a.m. every day and I'll, I'll read and I'll study for three hours before coming in to the office here. And so I, I, and I haven't developed the curriculum yet. I sort of have it at a high level, but what I'm going to do is develop a curriculum for myself for like the next sort of, let's say, 12 months. And it might be I want to go deep into between one and three topics per quarter. And it might be anything from history to philosophy to business and digital marketing or whatever that might be to the future, to technology, what you know, whatever. And there's obviously some, some interest stuff there, history and philosophy. Um, and then there's some commercial stuff there. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I, I study for three hours every morning. I meditate every day. Uh, I don't drink alcohol Sunday through Thursday. I don't eat sugar Monday through Friday. You know, I've just sort of figured out how to um, live in such a way that's congruent to me being at my best as often as humanly possible. And have you, because a lot of people were going, oh, yeah, I do that, I start that, and then I mess up. Uh, my philosophy is, okay, just start again. Exactly. Um, I can't imagine it's been perfect all the way through. No, When no, that's, yes. have a drink, Thank you. Yes. a bit later. Yes, thank you for mentioning <laughs> that, because that's, that's the key thing, right? Mm. And so uh, so I use a ha um, an, an app to track my habits. It's called Productive. And so you punch in your habits, and so there might be habits every day, like I meditate every day. Or it might be train. I want to train four times a week. So Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, that will be a habit on my day. Um, and what's really important is particularly when you're doing that. So I don't try and track to 100% of my habits. I try and track to 80% plus. And that is a freaking high bar. When I say 80%, people go, oh, yeah, that'd be pretty easy. No. Like I reckon I, 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 my KPI is 80%. I probably track around 65 to 70%. Um, and it's, some days you're bad and some weeks you're bad and it's really important that you don't go, I suck, I'm not good at this, I have no willpower, I have no discipline, I wasn't cut out for this, why do I even bother, why did I start in the first place, this stuff doesn't work, you know, all this, <laughs> all this stuff that we do. You know, go, okay, bad day, tomorrow's a new one, what are my habits, let's go. You know, start again. Try again. <laughs> you know, uh, one of my favourite terms is by one of my favourite people in the world, Michelle Bridges. And she says, you know, success is a daily renewable contract. Like you literally wake up and you go, am I renewing the contract today? And you know what? Sometimes you wake up and you go, I'm, no, I'm too fucking tired. I'm going to have a <laughs> bath and watch Netflix and I'm not going to renew the contract today, but I'll, I'll check in again tomorrow, you know? And so, yeah, I think the imperfection is a really important piece. And yet there's 
perfection in the imperfection because if you don't exactly. notice it you can't get any better exactly so it's, it's that whole piece yeah what are you thinking deeply about at the moment then i'm fascinated by mm. this uh commitment to learning so what are you thinking deeply about at the moment <laughs> it's a really 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 good question um I was talking to someone recently and they, they used a term that uh, I really, really liked. It was promiscuity of thought, uh, which I think I might be guilty of at times. Um, I, I am... Uh, philosophy is probably the main one. Spirituality is probably the second one, and that might sound quite broad and vague, but and so how does one explore spirituality? Um, you know, I, 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 I read books, essentially, and it might be books about, um, you know, just to sort of completely go there for a second. I don't, I'm not talking about this in a religious context, but, you know, I read books on Jesus, for instance. Jesus was not a religious figure. You know, if you study him in a historical context and not a religious context, he was actually renounced. He considered himself Catholic, but he was renouncing uh, religion a lot of the time. And, you know, one day he went into church and they were selling things in the foyer of the church and he started tipping over the tables and said, you're using God as a method to profit and make money and, and, and that's not what this is for and people don't actually need church to find God. It's already within them. They can find God themselves and all this sort of stuff. And then the next day they crucified him. Like, that's why that's why they crucified him. So, so he, yeah, he, he was more about the individual finding source and finding divinity as opposed to going to church and organised religion. And so... so and so what was he? He was a philosopher. He was a, you know, spiritual master. He was a social disruptor. Uh, he was a leader. Uh, he was an outcast. He was a misfit, you know. And so it's really interesting to study and, and, and to, to learn more about that. Or there's another guy called Adyashanti who writes some really good um, sort of Buddhist-based spiritual type books. And so, and so I explore that because I don't even know why. I just find it interesting. Um, <clears throat> so philosophy, spirituality... Uh, and then I suppose just life, like, and this is what I mean by promiscuity of thought, and, and I, I, I need to get more specific around it, because it's like I've just got this indescribable, insatiable hunger to learn, and, I, and, and I'm enjoying the broadness of it and the promiscuity of it at the moment, but I think in order to do it slightly more effectively, I just need to get a little bit more defined and focused. Um, but it's essentially, you know... I think that the majority of people live in a hypnosis of disempowerment. I think that a lot of people, uh, we, we, we tend to not do life in a way that's congruent and aligned to us creating happiness and fulfilment. And, and even from a business perspective, I think a lot of people build businesses in ineffective ways and, you know, including myself a lot of the time. And so it's like, you know, how does one learn as much as they can to be of as much value to the world as they can? Mm. I'm a real fan of the last book you wrote, Unwritten. Um, and there was a lot that you put into that to share story learnings from history, et cetera, et cetera. Mm, mm. So what you're sharing in terms of this fascination with philosophy and religion and history, it's you've almost been doing it forever. Yeah. And trying to go, <laughs> how do I relate that to modern day life? Exactly. So who, who looking back through your learnings, do you go, yeah, spot on. And that's exactly what we need to be doing. Who had the best learnings in our past that you think we should all mm. be taking a look at? Mm. That's Big question, I know. Such a good question. <laughs> I think um, I find different lessons from different sources. 
And so, you know, the best example, well, when I say the best, please understand this is my opinion and, and obviously I haven't studied every person in history, so it's not an um, exhaustive opinion either. But, you know, to my thinking, the number one person that I've studied in terms of how to be an independent thinker and a disruptor has got to be Einstein. Right, this guy rewrote physics when he was unemployable at the age of 26, and his professors thought he was an idiot and he was unintelligent and he'd never amount to anything. And he wrote five papers in one year in 1905 that changed the way we look at the universe ever since. You know, like and which was an absolute outrageous disrespect to everybody that had ever written anything around physics. He was saying, no, everything you've ever thought about this, you know, is wrong. Sorry, university professors and Isaac Newton, who was around 150 years earlier. Um, you've all been wrong, and here's a new theory, and I know I'm 26 and unqualified and uneducated, but this is what I think, and he was right. Like, and then, you know, for overcoming adversity, I, I, I haven't found a better example than Nelson Mandela or perhaps Viktor Frankl, who, who obviously wrote Man's Search for Meaning. Um, for, like, for, for spirituality and breathing like poeticism and beauty into life, Oprah Winfrey, um, for artistic uh, know-how and expression, you know, you're looking at sort of like a Michelangelo or a Leonardo da Vinci. Um, business, you know, my, my favourite people to look at are Steve Jobs and Elon Musk. And so it's different, you know, it's different sources for different things. And, and one can't be all of that, you know, not to the degree that they are, you know, they're, they're outliers because they really excelled in one particular thing. Um, but I still find it fascinating to, to look. Mm. And all of them, as you said, outliers, game changers, disruptors, which is what you're doing. So yeah. as much as you built the entourage as an education place, you're challenging the norm when it comes to building successful entrepreneurial businesses and the work that you're doing. Yeah. So is it, is it lonely being you or have you got a good network around you that are keeping you grounded, lifted, challenged and pushing you? It's a really, it's such a good question. Um, no, I'm not lonely. I've never done lonely. Um, but as, as we were chatting about before we, we hit record, what, what's happened with me, I, I suppose, you know, because I'm 31, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm still maturing, right? Um, now you make me feel really old. <laughs> <laughs> I just turned 47 this weekend. Oh my 47 God. 47 is I'm young. Not. That's yeah, young. Yeah, I've got so much to do. Life starts at 50. Um, <laughs> and so you know, I, I sort of recently created a group of friends that that are you know incredible human beings and CEOs and entrepreneurs and and and, and have a deep sense of spirituality and all of that sort of stuff. And um, I think what I found in spending more time with truly incredible, um, not egoless because nobody is, but people who who can drop the mask, put the bullshit to the side and really connect to that humanity level and even that soul level um, is is probably one of the most special things that I've experienced in a long time. So uh, while, I, while I didn't necessarily... I've never really done loneliness, I think maybe it would have become that as I matured and as I sought more connection, you know, sort of took off the blinkers a bit from just focusing on business. I think I, I, think I may have become more of that had I not found such incredible people. Mm. And nurturing those relationships is key, right? Yeah. Well, I can't help myself. You know, there's there's a couple. Of, I, just, I just we just we, ne we never stop talking yeah. <laughs> over text messages because <laughs> you know it's just 
Because these are people that are also deeply interested in philosophy, spirituality, yeah. history, the future. It's so always sharing and talking and debating and laughing. And like, like it adds a real richness to like I'm happier because of it, you know. And I never, I've never really had that to that degree, I think. I want to come to one of your dinner parties. I can yes, imagine the please. conversation. Please. <laughs> so when it comes to, let's just touch on the um, uh, entrepreneur side before we sort of wrap up. So as we've shared, um, I think everyone has the opportunity to be awesome, to be brilliant. Unfortunately, some people find it hard for whatever reason to, to find it, whether it be the people around them or the opportunities. Um, for people listening, if you had to share some key words of wisdom of how to take that idea and turn it into something granted that it can be a year year after year after year process what yeah. are some of the maybe the three key things that you say start here whatever you do this is where you got to start yes yes so i think it's like if you if you imagine three you want to go to venn diagram like three sort of intersecting circles i think the first thing is is really get in tune with what you love doing you know and who you are and who you want to be and, and, and what you would be really thrilled to dedicate your life to irrespective of finance or financial opportunity. Now, that's not to say money isn't important. It absolutely incredibly is. You know, I learned that in 2016. Um, I learned a lot earlier, but I, I really learned it in 2016. So it's not to say that money isn't important. It's just to say that it's really good when it's not the driver. So the first thing is work out what you love. Um, the second thing I think in terms of commercializing that is finding a market opportunity. And so how can you combine what you love doing with a genuine market opportunity, a consumer demand? You know, it's something people uh, genuinely want and, and therefore have a propensity to pay for. Uh, and then the third thing would be product to market fit. And, and all, all I mean by that is you have something that addresses the market demand. Um, and when I say product to market fit, I, I'm not saying that to exclude service-based businesses. All of my businesses are service-based businesses. We just view a service as a product to ensure it can be more scalable. Um, so if you can combine <clears throat> what you love and who you want to be with a need that a market or the world ha has with the ability to address that market with something truly great, be it a product or a service, um, then yeah, you are a super fortunate human being because, uh, yeah, like I, I struggle to think of a, a combination of other things that could, <clears throat> you know, sort of struggle to think of other things that could fill your life in such a meaningful way. Mm. So I'm interested in your thoughts on people that think that they can find that an entrepreneurial idea in a coffee shop and just create something and then pivot once again we've got a mutual friend in Jamie Pride and I've had who's the author of Unicorn Tears I've had lots of in-depth chats with him on this because what I'm slightly concerned about particularly in this market is everyone thinks that entrepreneurism is easy and that they can find an idea just sitting there and trying mm. to wait for mm. the source to give it to them what's mm. your what's your view <laughs> I joke, I was literally speaking at an event recently and someone put their hands up and said, Janine, I resigned from my job today. I've got a meeting with myself in the coffee shop tomorrow. How do I find an idea? Oh, God. To which I said, go back to work and yeah, get your job back. Right. So I'm oh, interested in your thought yes. on this. Yes. Categorically, I, I, I agree. Um, 
Great businesses don't come from great ideas. They come from really thorough execution. The, the challenge most entrepreneurial people have is that we are more in love with the dream of our business than we are the actual execution and operationalization of the business. That's true for me even today. You know, that's why I have, you know, I'm fortunate enough, the entourage has been going for eight years now, so I've got a general manager and an executive team and, and a great team underneath them. Um, and so I, I can, the business is now at a stage where I can do more of the vision, strategy, culture, customer stuff. Whereas for the first, you know, five, ten years, whatever it might be, you, you, you just got to do everything and there's no way around that and it's hard and there's competing forces and you've still got to be a human and sleep at night and eat and be a mum or be a dad or, you know, and so um, it requires an extraordinary level of commitment. Mm. Who do you think of out of your community who you go, wow, you did it, you proved that... The work that we're doing at Entourage combined with your commitment to passion, market opportunity and, and product market fit has created something really cool. Who do you think of? There's, there, there are a lot of uh, people that I would think of. You know, there's Lorraine Murphy who, who started out with us. She, was, she just started in a uh, spare bedroom, I think, uh, with, you know, this really innovative uh, branding agency type business. Uh, and in her first year, did $1.1 million in revenue. Lorraine recently exited her business now. You know, she went to Bali for a couple of months, now lives on the Gold Coast and uh, has had a daughter in Lexi. Actually, Lorraine's husband now, because he's got a business down here in Sydney, so he lives with me when he's in Sydney. So she's amazing. You know, Cheryl Ty started with us when she had one cupcake store in Melbourne and, and, and sort of came to us because she wanted help expanding that and scaling it and systemising it. And, now she's got five stores, she's diversified into another franchise and she works substantially less than, than what she needed to when she had one store, you know. Uh, the Festuka cousins, they started with us, are literally developing apps from their kitchen table within a couple of years, sold a portion of their business at a valuation of $50 million. You know, we've just seen story after story after story of ordinary people, because we all are, do extraordinary things time and time again that... Um, you know, I, one of my fundamental beliefs is that when you combine the right people in, with the right environment, you know, truly special things can happen. Mm. Is there a golden thread that runs through those success stories, do you think? There are. There are a couple. I think the, the fundamental one is that great entrepreneurs, it's probably great anyone's, right? Like great athletes, great CEOs, great janitors, great chefs, great guitarists. Are those that realise that... Um, their craft, or in the case of an entrepreneur, their business grows as they do. You know, they're at full cause. They're at full responsibility. I understand that my life is my my responsibility, my my decision, and therefore the growth in any area of my life will be truly will be reflected completely by my growth as a human being. And so it's just that ultimate responsibility, and 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 not in a responsibility, not in a oh God, I've got to do this, but in a Oh God! You mean like I can do this, and I'm in control, and I I can influence things, and wow! Let me at it. You know, it's um. I think that's the fundamental thing. Do you think that if we were to define unleashing brilliance, that that's one of the core things that individuals need to do, like take ownership for right. what they want? Yeah. I remember I was speaking at my high school a couple of years ago. You know, I was going back there after not being there for after graduating ten years earlier. And um, 
I was thinking, because I was talking, I was going to be talking to a bunch of year 10 students. And so I was thinking, you know, from everything that I've studied and everything that I've experienced and all the principles and just everything, like if, if, if everything I knew and had done was an inverse pyramid and it all rested on one concept, what would that one concept be? And I was like, it's a bit of a dumb question, but fun to think about nonetheless. And, um, and the answer that I arrived at was that fundamental principle upon which everything else rests is cause and effect. Some people choose to be at effect of everything. I'm at the effect of my wife, I'm at the effect of my husband, I'm at the effect of the weather, I'm at the effect of the government, I'm at the effect of my office, I'm at the effect of the side of bed. Robots that I'm ro- there. Ro- ro- yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, pick one. You know, and, and, and I'm living at the effect of something else and I'm a victim to that and I have no influence over it and no control over it and, uh, and I'm powerless. Or you can choose, and it is a choice, um, the, okay, well, I, I'm going to choose to be at cause. You know, I, I'm going to choose to take responsibility for everything that happens within me, including my own emotional state, my own communication, my, how I show up in my relationships. I'm going to choose to take responsibility for my financial life. I'm going to choose to accept responsibility for everything that goes on inside and around me. And I, I just think that's an inescapable fundamental pillar upon which um, fulfilled people live. Mm, I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. So what is the one piece of advice that you read all the time, hear all the time, see people spouting from the stage that if you had a rock, you would throw it <laughs> and say, stop listening to that? <laughs> that is a really good question. There's a lot. Oh, there's a lot. Um, Jack's now rubbing his face. So that's exactly that where you sit there, face in hand, going, not again. Stop listening to that. Um, I, for me, it's just the stuff that sounds good but doesn't mean anything. And, I, and unfortunately, I don't have a great example offhand. But what, what I would suggest to, to, to those listening is, because uh, the thing is, is that the stuff that sounds good that doesn't actually mean anything is often the most engaged content. You know, it's the most popular. And and what I would encourage people to do is, you know, again, to come back to Jesus in a historical and philosophical context, not a religious context. He said, uh, know them by their fruits, which is essentially uh, look at, judge something by its merits, you know. Um, and so just because something sounds good doesn't mean that it necessarily contains wisdom, you know. It might just sound and look good on Instagram. And so, and conversely, sometimes the stuff that's really, really useful doesn't sound good on Instagram, you know. And so I think just just know them by their fruits and, and, and uh, be discerning. Mm. Take ownership, right? <laughs> exactly, take ownership. Um, my last last question before we wrap. Um, you know, we're often talking about what we want to be, what we want to become, what we're building, that vision and that goal. Mm. I'm curious, what do you, Jack, as a human being, want to be remembered for? Um... I'm still trying to work that out. Mm. And therein lies who you are, an individual that's constantly growing and developing and seeking. Jack, it's been absolutely awesome to spend the time um, on this podcast and before having a chat. There's so many awesome words of wisdom 
and things that you talked about, you know, the power of actually not having an agenda. Um, mm. And your example of Hawaii and how it actually brings out the humanity and the true connection, and which actually is where the opportunities and the ideas exist. Mm. Um, and equally, it gives them the space to grow into mm. something versus shut down by too many rules. Um, your concept around um, the challenge is never not there. Mm. Um, which I really love. It's this, you know, we're surrounded in society by people going, have you not got enough now? Do you not want to stop? It's like, no, it's constantly growing, constantly developing, mm. which is great. Um, your piece around the 80% uh, habit track and giving yourself permission to hit 60. <laughs> um, you know, again, I think too many of us are um, almost forcing our decisions and our behavior based on trying to be perfect. And yeah. yet the power that exists in the imperfection to, to keep growing, I think, is great. Promiscuity of thought, that's definitely something I'd love to explore further. Mm -hmm. And um, um, totally aligned with my belief in that the ultimate responsibility for how you live your life, mm. um, what you finally achieve and who you are being in that process is ultimately up to us as individuals mm. and it's not easy mm. Mm. because we are always unconsciously thin slicing mm. each other mm. and judging each other and the ability mm. to step over that and and tap into humanity is, yeah. is a real challenge so exactly thank you so much it's been an absolute pleasure thank and, you um, I, that was a really really enjoyable chat and i genuinely feel more alive for having had it that was really thank you fabulous thanks jack we hope you enjoyed listening to The Janine Garner Show. To follow her blog, purchase her books, or find out more, visit her website, janinegarner.com.au. Brilliant people, extraordinary results.